Um, We're going to get the bacon now and then go home because it's raining. Where's yes. the bacon shop? Um, oh, it's just up here. Okay. Here it is. Oh, this is a florist. You've never <laughs> bought bacon before, have you? <laughs> this week on Walking the Dog, Raymond and I went to South East London to take a stroll with the wonderful Tom Allen. Tom has yet to get a dog. I'm still piling the pressure on. But he has bought a beautiful new home. I had a nose around and I'm afraid I felt ill with jealousy. And he's got himself a lovely partner called Alfie. And they're basically total couple goals. Tom is a diamond. He's obviously hilarious, but he's also just an incredibly sweet-natured and very gentle soul. It was a joy to catch up with him. And it was also really touching hearing him talk about his wonderful dad, who he sadly lost last year. And he's actually just written a beautiful memoir called Too Much, where he writes very movingly and humorously about their really close relationship. It's an absolutely beautiful book, so I can't recommend it enough. Tom is also on tour all next year with his show Completely, so do go and get your tickets at tomindeed.com. I'm going to shut up now and hand over to the fabulous man himself. Here's Tom and Raymond. Will we have a sing-along before we go? Um, that doesn't sound very good, but um, the... beginning to the walk. What a lovely start, eh? Alf is joining us. Alfie, are you going to come with us? Yeah, He's got his coat on. Got coat, got, come on, everyone. <laughs> I've got my three boys. I've got Tom, I've got Alfie, and I've got Raymond. <laughs> um, right, let's just be careful on those steps, because they are a bit slippy. Tom, you've still got pumpkins. Well, they're an autumnal display, and I thought, well, it's still autumn, isn't it? So I've kept them out. And th we made them look lovely, actually, with the, hyd with the dried hydrange, didn't we? And then, um, and, and then I thought, you know, we'll, we'll get rid of them when we put the Christmas things up, won't we? So, that's all. Oh, it is cold, isn't it? Oh, and I tell you, something's had a go at that, Alf. Oh, I do like them, though. Yeah, well... And they're very in keeping with the Georgian aesthetic of your house. Well, that's what I thought. A Georgian pumpkin with an autumnal bush. I mean, they look Georgian. They've been there a They've while. They've been there. <laughs> <laughs> right, where do we want to go? Does, does, now, does Ray like the, the uh, bushy undergrowth? Or does he find that too abrasive on his undercarriage? <laughs> I can't speak. <laughs> do you know... Ray's quite used to a bushy undergrowth. Okay. So, and the great thing is, if he gets too brambly, <coughs> which can happen, yes. your partner Alfie can carry him. Yeah. Now, what's <laughs> this? There's a bag up here. See, because I get very upset when there's litter. And it's not, I don't think it is actually the school kids who walk up and down. I think it's much more the uh, people, people, when they put their recycling out, it blows. Oh, yes. Oh, Tom, there's already another dog. 
What's that Somebody one? for Ray. Are you going to put Ray down at all? Well, I was going to put his lead on, but I thought I'd wait. Shall oh, I do I it see. now? Come on, Ray. Let's put your lead on. Good boy. Yes. There you go. Oh, he's running away. Oh, he doesn't away. want to put his harness on. <laughs> oh. We've all been there, dear. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's follow Tom. Oh. Oh, it's nice and cool, isn't it? Oh, it's lovely. It's quite nice with the hangover, isn't it? <laughs> That's Tom and Alfie, by the way, not me, can I say? No, no. I've got to, um, I'm on Radio 3 after this. Oh, lovely. What which so it suits my gruff tones. I'm on, I'm guest hosting Late Junction. So oh. I'd say we should go up here. Should we go up here? Let's go on the path. Come on, Ray. There's a, what's that, Tom? Is that a... I think that would be a poodle. Oh, yes. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Oh, the poodle oh. likes you, Tom. He's coming over. Is he a poodle? No, he's a cockapoo. Oh, he's a cockapoo. Yes. Oh, I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind. A, oh. Hello, cockapoo. Is he a pup? Yeah, no, he's four months. So he just oh. Oh, he's training him. Oh, Ray. <laughs> Ray. What's the name? Ray doesn't want to play. Murphy. Murphy. Oh, that's oh, a good name. Murphy. Oh, caught your lead there, Murphy. <laughs> oh, he's so shy, oh, Emily. I've never seen a dog look so... So reserved as yours is. <laughs> He's not sure. <laughs> I'll play. I'll play. Oh, I'll play with you. I'll play with you. Come here, you. Do you not want to play with Murphy? Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? Ah, oh, good boy. He's a shih tzu. Good boy, yeah. But he's an imperial shih tzu, which is why he's quite. Imperial shih tzu, I think, is He's quite snooty. Yeah. Well, he is. Look. And we're going for what we're doing a podcast about yeah. walking dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah. So now Murphy will be starring on it. You never know. It's <laughs> well, lovely. Well, good to luck, meet Murphy. You. Nice to see you. See you later. Take care. Have a Bye. lovely day. Bye bye. Oh, Come on, Tom. It's nice. I mean, I'm not even going to bother formally introducing you because everyone knows this man. Everyone loves this man. Oh, that's very kind. I'm obviously with the utterly fabulous Tom Allen. Um, uh, we've come to, this is his second appearance. Yes, you had me back. Oh, you're very kind to do that. Well, I had you back for a number of reasons. You haven't got a dog yet, but I still love you. <sighs> no, still um, want one though. I had you back because I really want to talk about your absolutely brilliant book, oh. Too Much, which I've read and adore. So we're going to be chatting about that. Um, I'm still trying to persuade you to get a dog. You're trying to convince me to get one? Well, we just ran into a lovely cockapoo. What do you think? Love him. Love that. Love that dog. Like all dogs, though, really. Don't really find many dogs I don't like. Quite like the idea of getting a staffy at the moment, maybe calling it Hyacinth. <laughs> <laughs> Named after your childhood... Hero? Oh. Hyacinth Bouquet. So Tom, we're in we're in beautiful Bromley. Suburban, leafy, leafy suburbs. That's me. This is where you grew up, isn't it? Well, we're about to walk past my old school actually. And um and so uh yes we are taking a trip down memory lane and in that sort of uh, Gatsby esque, you know, the end of Gatsby when we're all, you know, born ceaselessly back. Um, of course, I, 
I think the last time I was on this podcast was thinking, oh, I want to live in town <laughs> with all the gays and grow a moustache and roll up my trouser legs and carry a tote bag. But uh, it dawned on me, actually, I'm not really that sort of person. And I like being in suburbia. I like being near my mum. And also, I quite like being surrounded by where I'm from. So it's quite nice that, uh, you know, like where I, where I live is, um, is somewhere I used to walk past when I was at school. That is really nice. All your history's around here. Yes, all the history. So we're going to go down here a bit. So, yeah, so you were saying you grew up sort of in this area and we're getting to this close to a school. This might oh, be I didn't think school. we'd be hearing the screaming children, but it looks like we are <laughs> going to be now. Um, in my last book, I wrote quite a lot about being at school and it's quite, um, it's quite strange, really, um, to, you know, have that nostalgia for it, but also... When you see the actual building where it was, you're going to go, oh, oh yeah, I remember that building for French or whatever. He doesn't like it, Tom. Look. Oh, Ray doesn't like that at all. Oh, he doesn't like the mud. No, no. I don't, oh, I've no, just... he's doing a poo-poo. Is he? Do you oh, see he's, very... doing the, he's doing the Peter Crouch? He's very um, reserved about it, isn't he? Well, I You'd mean, he's know. very reserved about a lot of things. He's a very reserved dog. Look at that. I mean... <laughs> Hooray. Okay, we're now in that difficult position, the etiquette issue of, I've got a hand with a poo in it. Sorry. <laughs> so that, uh... There's a bin over there. Okay. And Unless you want to carry it. <laughs> Come on, I'll put this poo in the bin, Ray. We're having a lovely start to the week here, <laughs> aren't we? Oh, thank you for the umbrella, oh, lovely Alfie. Lovely Alfie. Do you not, you guys all right You just that? gave us a brolly. Oh, isn't that lovely? But I didn't think it was going to rain today. Oh. So go on, we were talking about your school. And yeah, because oh, you, yes. you, you were sort of felt slightly different, it's fair to say, at school, didn't you? Yes, I always felt like a bit of an outsider, really. And I um, always, well, I never had many friends at primary school because I told the other children that I was an emperor. And um, I think that's quite a lot, isn't it, for a dinner lady to process and um and so I was always quite eccentric I knew I was eccentric but I didn't I you know it, it wasn't I didn't know how to explain it really mm. um and it always felt different and uh that's been very much the 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 ongoing saga is how to accept being different for oneself and um embracing it but um but yes I mean school is trying for a lot of people I and mean, it wasn't all terrible or anything but it was yeah challenging I think because because I didn't know quite where what I was supposed to be doing and well whilst like lots of people I knew in my year were sort of going out getting fingered um I was you know dressing up as a Victorian <laughs> and going around vintage clothes shops looking for top hats which is unusual isn't it really and you very much as we said you sort of viewed well, Hyacinth Bouquet was someone you felt quite passionate about yes. in terms of that's who you saw yourself as. <laughs> and as a, as a small child, <laughs> I was obsessed with keeping up appearances <laughs> and very much related to Hyacinth Bucket Bouquet. And um, as time went on, I realised I was actually sort of saw myself as Hyacinth Bouquet and indeed saw myself as the actress playing her Patricia Routledge. <laughs> Again, which is quite a lot for this, you know, Zone 5 to take on board. So I, uh, so, so yeah, so I, um, 
playing loud music. I don't like that. Um, the uh, <laughs> so I I kind of thought that was difficult. It's difficult, isn't it, to be sent out into the playground to play when you're like, well, hang on a second. I'm Patricia Routledge. <laughs> you know, it's quite, I think it's quite straightforward when I put it like that. And and your book, Too Much, which I absolutely loved. Oh, thank you. Is so touching and obviously very funny, but it taught it reflects on your childhood. But it was also written during this quite challenging time when. You lost your dad. Yes. And it's a real... It's such a wonderful book on the sort of complexities of navigating an experience like that and grief and... But it's also a really lovely celebration of him, I think, and his life and your relationship. Well, I want to write about the complexities of those feelings because I think a lot of the time it's not... You know, for me, anyway, it was... I'm st- well, I'm still sort of experiencing it, and I suppose I will experience it for, for, for the rest of my life, really, missing him. But, but also, you know, that first six months when I was writing it, I just tried to be honest, because I think it is such a, like this roller coaster. But I just thought, you know, writing about the fact that it's not just sort of sadness, isn't sort of a one-dimensional thing, or, yeah. or, or grief isn't a one-dimensional thing, you know. Sometimes you'll feel actually <laughs> laughing, you like laughing a lot, and sometimes you'll feel quite a lot of anxiety or at one point I just got very angry at the interior decor of Jersey Airport um, so I sort of like to think as well in that that it's a life affirming book and I, 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 I you know and there were still lots of things that we laughed about yeah. so I wrote about those really um, too and I write about, wrote about the um, you know going, going to the undertakers and my mum said it's like a show home I could move in where would you sleep? <laughs> but she liked the, d- the design of it. It was very nice, lots of grey. Um, and going to other funerals subsequently and comparing them to Dad's and suddenly being very competitive about them. And uh, at one point we went into the crematorium, into a crematorium, and there was a sign on the wall saying what to do in the event of a fire. And I thought, well, isn't that why we're all here? <laughs> and as I say, you and your dad were so different, but so close and there was obviously a deep love you had for each other and it it kind of <coughs> there are so many brilliant stories you tell would you often find yourself in situations where you'd think we have a completely different worldview oh, essentially yeah excuse me oh. um the uh, but um yeah absolutely and i think that's another thing i wanted to write about was the nature of love is that it's, it's not like in films where it's like, I love you. If I'd said to my dad, I love you, dad, put my arms around him, he probably would have gone, oh, get off me for God's sake. And then and it probably would have shocked him so much, would have brought on the, hastened the heart attack. Oh, Ray's having a terrible time, isn't he? Oh, he's all right. Go and see Tom. Come on, Ray. Oh, that beautiful coat of his is diminishing. Will his hair go curly? It's yes. in the rain. But oh. I put a lovely serum on it. Oh, quite right. <laughs> um, of so go on. So you were talking about your dad and you... Yeah, he... The, oh, yeah, the complexity. Well, you know, we were very different. He was a South London coach driver and I had this posh voice for, for some reason. If, people often are like, why? Why do you have that voice? Why do you talk like that? Why? And I don't know why. Like everything. People love to know why on everything, don't they? Um, and um, I just, uh, just did talk like it. So... That was complex, um, but uh, he would be, um, he, he, you know, he was, he was, we were different. You know, he was a very practical person, born in 1941 mm. in South East London in Penge. 
Annalise, he would say. And um, it was, you know, and I was kind of somebody who was like, you know, always about feelings and creativity and putting ribbons around my bedroom wall. My dad would be like, oh, I'll get, you don't have many more crap up on the wall, I. And, and, um, <laughs> and he would, you know, be quite perturbed or confused by me at times. But that's not to say we didn't still care about each other. And he would show his affection by, largely by making bacon sandwiches. Um, amongst other things. I fancy a bacon sandwich, actually, Al. Yeah, I was that. Should we go past the butchers? <laughs> Should we get a bacon sandwich oh, let's, for you? Oh, let's show, oh yeah, we got those part bakes, haven't we? Let's have a bacon sandwich. Oh, yeah. Because that's what Dad would do in any situation, was always resolved by yeah. having a bacon sandwich. Sometimes he'd put an egg in it. And, um, and vegans would come round to see me, and they'd be often to a bacon sandwich as well. And it didn't matter, but that was, I think that's the nature of some people. They are, life is complex. Love is a complex thing, isn't it? It's not always, sorry, it's like a song. But um, it's, you know, it's not like, it's often represented in, in songs and, and films. It is uh, sometimes quite convoluted, and I wanted to write about those complexities that, uh, that I felt. And I think what I realised in writing the book you find yourself on the page a lot of the time. You te- the writing exercise teaches you about yourself. Um, I realised how similar Dad and I were. We're both quite obstinate, both yeah. quite stuck in our ways in a, in a sense. Yeah. And 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 I think um, you don't realise that when you're going when you're in the moment. You realise that afterwards. When you were younger, did you sometimes feel? Did you feel self-conscious a lot of the time, Tom? I yeah, I did because I didn't have like the the kind of straightforward um, references like um, um, sorry, um, references like sports and things. I didn't wasn't good at football or anything like that. My dad would desperately try and include me in things, but I just wasn't good at it, or just had no connection to it. Just couldn't couldn't do it really. I remember him taking me to squash lessons, and I would be in the corner of the squash court crying when all the children were having a lovely time, just playing. You know, for them, it was just a game, but for me, it just felt like this another reminder. <laughs> I, mean, I, was, I was like eight years old. Oh, I was like, oh, it's so unbearable. Um, <clears throat> so, so, um, but yeah, just sort of re- realizing how those moments bear have a bearing. Um, We're going to get the bacon now and then go home because it's raining. Where's yes. the bacon shop? Um, oh, it's just up here. Okay. Here it is. Oh, this is a florist. You've never <laughs> bought bacon before, have you? <laughs> oh, Tom, that'd be nice for me. Pause naturally. Yeah, that sort of shop you could you could run. Oh, I, wasn't, I wasn't going that far. Oh. <laughs> I could run it. I've now got I to thought that's what you meant. <laughs> that's quite a nice job. I never go in it, but that's nice. Oh, do you know what? Are they open on a Monday? Yeah. The butchers. Just thought that. Oh, we can go to the cheap point then. Or not. We'll have to go to the other one. Do you want me to run up and see? I'm going to speak about Tom's partner, Alfie, while he's out of earshot, because he'll get embarrassed. But he's just run up to see if the butchers are open, oh, because we wanted to get bacon. What a lovely man. He's a good guy. He's the best, yeah. Great guy. Have a lovely time. Um, and yeah, it's my first time having a relationship. So all this, excuse me. Um, I've never been, so I lived at home until the tender age of 38 and then moved out and moved into where I'm now, where we've just seen, round here. And um, moved there and then went to, um, is he waving at us? What's he doing? Um, and then got together with Alfie, and then 
you know, kind of just started to sort of feel a bit more settled. And that's when I, but that's when I lost Dad. Um, so it all sort of felt quite strange. And sometimes you go like, where, what is my life? This isn't the life I remember. Like, yeah. this isn't what I thought. Like, I always come back. I think it's in a... But there's the shop on the corner. Uh, it said, yeah, it's in a... Oh, oh bless really it. Nice. We ran up there. So should um, we go to the other butchers, Tom? Well, it's more of a shop on the corner. It's not... It won't that's be... Right. It won't be as um, fancy. But... Um, Thanks, Alf. But no, he's brilliant. We have a lovely time um, together, and he's so kind and fun. And yeah, we have a lovely time. Um, as I say, we were getting pissed last night in the kitchen, and then we had a bit of a dance. Was it just you two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what three, four cocktails will do. Sorry. Thanks for going up there, though. I suddenly thought that. Oh, look, little Ray, feeling oh, Ray, we need to get you indoors with a towel so we can dry you off. It's too cold for the boy. Uh, um, let's get some bacon in us. Obviously, as you say, it feels like your life, just at the point you lost your dad, your, everything had sort of come together for you, you know? Well, yes, really, yeah. Um, so, I mean, you could say... Uh, and we should say it was... It was 2021 um, this happened, wasn't it? Was it? Yes, so at this it? point it's coming up to the year anniversary. Oh, um, but um, the Yeah, it was all sort of very... Well, we were on... Alf and I were on our first holiday together. And then we were there for a day and then got the call. Let's come straight home. So Alf has had to put up with a lot of... Uh, emotions. Do you know, I think that's a really good time to meet someone, though, because... Oh, yes. In some way... Oh, we're well, going to yeah, go yeah. into the shop now. Sorry. So. Thanks, Alf. I'll be two seconds. Okay. Tom's going in to get bacon, Alfie. You're right. What a day for it. Oh. Last week was terrible, wasn't it? Oh, it's away last week. Yeah. Mm. Mm. For autumn now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but nice. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Been busy. And I just brought a book out, so that's been um. Yes, that's what I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> We've just popped, had a break. No, no, we'll just, we'll just on a break. Just get some bacon. Hi, oh, yeah, just those, please. Let's get those. Good to be. Thank you. Did you enjoy Blankety Blank? Oh, did you see? <laughs> Fun. Oh, he's great. It's lovely. And Bradley Walsh is so nice. But it's a bit of fun. Nice to be busy. Um, all right, well, I'll see you later. Yeah, don't get rained on. See you later. <laughs> They only had unsmoked. Do you think that's all right? What's going on? You seem to have come out. I thought you came out of the Big Brother house. You had friends and you were chatting. Was, we were having a lovely time in there. You should have come. Um, you should have come in. You, oh, you got the keys. Oh, you should have, did you make some friends in there, Tom? Well, I know. <laughs> I'm always chatting, me. It's nice, isn't it? Nice to... Nice to know people. I've always sort of liked the idea of being like, you know, like Belle in Beauty and the Beast, the way she walks down the street and everybody's like, good morning, Belle. <laughs> and that's nice, isn't it? <laughs> do you think you, I think that might have been instilled in you by your folks, do you think? Because they were, do they were quite into sort of manners oh, and respect? Oh, yeah. Well, respect, really. I mean, I took it to a new level <laughs> with um, etiquette manuals. <laughs> um, again, there's only so much use for... Lady Trowbridge and Emily Post <laughs> in 1990s Bromley. But yeah, no, Dad was always very respectful to people, always saying hello, and always had a very good way of talking to people, which was direct, but not, not abrasive, and always kind of, 
you know, he's always a good communicator, I think. Always kind of not very, very front-footed in the way he would speak with people. He was someone who would often talk to you about people-pleasing <coughs> and not... He had these great sort of sayings. Things like, if I was going over the top with things, he'd say, look, there's a difference between scratching your ass and tearing the skin. Um, which I said in Newbury the other day. People were appalled. But that's the thing with Newbury, isn't it? Um, but you tell... Most people will go, oh, that's endearing. That's true. But the... Uh, but, so, yeah, he would have his sayings, as they were. Because <laughs> the editor suggested, like... Oh, sorry, drips coming off the umbrella. Um, the editor said, why don't you... F- frame each chapter around something your dad said to you and I was like yes that's a great idea but then it dawned on me you know my dad wasn't like Giles Brandreth or something he wasn't like kind of I didn't have like myriad kind of profound sayings or references but he did have sort of quite direct practical advice like that. I get the sense your dad lived by a very kind of it was quite an honourable code in a way. Oh yeah yeah oh very yeah but never always do right by people um, and also always had a very good attitude like it was where we were walking actually just now he when I was going to school and I said I don't like maths I'm not very good at maths and he said to me look you're gonna have to do it so you can do it kicking and screaming and sort of rejecting it and trying not to do it or you can do it with a good heart and if you do it with a good heart you might actually get something out of it and so that's sort of what I try and I try and remember that you know we all have it was oh I don't want to do this oh, I'm yeah. fed up with this oh I could do without this and you do it, and then you go, actually, if you do it with a good heart, and like, oh, well, do make the best of it, you might get something from it. Come well, in. We've just got to Tom's beautiful house, and it, it honestly is. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'll just dry the umbrella a little. Um, come on in, come on in. Um, we'll do your shoes off. And we'll have to change the title of this one to Drying the Dog. <laughs> or we need to get Ray a towel. He looks like he's just gone to the salon. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> right, so we've got back to Tom's gaff. Yeah, we're back here at mine. And I'm we're just, in the kitchen. We're in the kitchen, considering um, making a bacon sandwich. Making a bacon sandwich. Um, I'm going to get a towel for Raymond. Oh, Raymond. Tom, I should say, has just produced a towel for Raymond, which is lovely enough as it is. But it's a towel with Martin Kemp and Roman Kemp on it. On it, yeah. And Martin Kemp has just been on this podcast. No way! Yes. Where should we sit? Let's go here. Yeah. Or we can go upstairs. Is upstairs better? Is upstairs better in a small room? So we're going upstairs, just because it's actually, a bit of time, while Alfie is making us bacon sandwiches. It's I mean, not a bad life, is it? It's the dream. You've got to live. What about this room? Is this a good room? I never come in here. Oh my god, I've got to so, stretch um, my back out. I get back pain now, Emily. Really? Yeah, I think I must be old. I've got a foam roller. I don't know if my bed's too soft. Oh. I've got a very nice mattress topper, but I don't know if it's too indulgent. You've what I like is you've made yourself very comfortable here. Um so tell me you write in the book really movingly, as I say, about losing your dad and it was this really it was really tough for you wasn't it what's interesting when you go through an experience like that is that I think your whole attitude towards I suppose you sometimes reflect on your past differently and do you think you've 
you've almost, um, as you say, you saw more similarities with you and your dad, but you start to feel this kind of growing fondness and affection for your childhood and those memories, mm, don't you? Yeah. Did you? Did you experience that? <clears throat> and I think I started to feel a reframing of how I thought of my younger self. I think in a way that um, I didn't, you know, at the time I was kind of like quite harsh on myself for, you know, going to America thinking, oh, I'll be able to make a go of being in America, just sort of turning up, basically. Um, and similarly, even younger than that, as, as a kid and as a teenager, I used to be like, oh, God, I'm so embarrassed, I'm so embarrassing. Um, but then, of course, you go, oh, no, I was just fine. <laughs> I was fine. Um, so I think that losing a, a parent does sort of teach you to sort of, or losing anybody really sort of makes you kind of reframe the way you look at the world and, and also feel a lot more um, kinder to yourself and, kind, and more compassionate to other people, actually, as well. Like, is you suddenly realise, oh, well, maybe they're having a bad day. And maybe they're just coping with their loss in a way that, before, I'd be like, wow, they have a bad mood. What's up with them? Which is nice, isn't it? So there's, there's that sort of side of it. Um, and you do feel, and I think that's the part of it that's being an adult, really, that teaches you to be an adult. Because people say that, don't they? That you don't really ever grow up until you lose a, at least one parent. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of true because you think you've always got them to rely on. And they'll always, they'll, they understand you better than anybody. Um, and, you know, like my dad would do things like taking the bins out for me when I moved into this house or, you, you know, kind of doing, like mowing the lawn for me. And um, I'd be like, oh, dad, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. I'm a grown up. Stop being, stop, like, trying to help. <laughs> I'm so mad. And of course, that was, again, like the bacon sandwiches. It was just his way of showing he cared. But I sort of saw it as, like, oh, you're molly coddling me. You're kind of, you, you're, you're making me feel like I'm not a grown-up. But I, I wasn't really, and now I do have to take the recycling out, and it's really tiring. He mm. was very into those sort of acts of service. We were talking about acts of service, and I think that's very interesting, as that's a more common way for men to show love, I suppose. I think that's true, isn't it? Well, based on what you said as well, yeah. I think that um, it's more comfortable than talking about feelings, or you know what I mean, sometimes. Yeah, that's why you'll often hear people saying, oh, my dad, he never say, you know, says he loves me or we don't, but he'll always fill my car with petrol. And oh, always, right, yeah, you know, yeah. You think, oh, well, that yeah. is I love you. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I think that's, it's important not to ignore that and to, um, to acknowledge it because I think, like I said, we're not all like characters in a book. We're, you know, much more complicated than that, actually. I get the sense you were always a character... Well, I was always, yeah, people always laughed, um, and sometimes I couldn't understand it, why they laughed. <laughs> um, and then I sort of thought, oh, well, I, and then I thought I wanted to be an actor, because I liked performing, and I liked um, being the centre of attention. And then I, I thought I wanted to be an actor, and then it turned out I was just gay. And so um, I just liked sort of being the centre of attention. <laughs> And um, I didn't really enjoy acting for when you have to sort of stand there and wait for somebody else to say their bit. So, uh, and, and, and I didn't, and always, it's, the thing with acting as well <laughs> is, in my mind I thought it would be like doing things like the National Youth Theatre, which were great for me, and I'm very grateful to them, but at the same time, you re I realised like, a lot of blokes, acting's quite blokey, in a really competitive way. They, like, for men who like often, aren't able to achieve their sporting dreams, there'll be like a teacher who'll take it upon themselves to be like, actually, have you considered doing the school play? And then guess what? They're really good at it because they apply that same competitiveness to it. 
and then you get and you get lots of men like yeah it was a brilliant performance that was a brilliant they love um characters who are like really violent and shouty and i never really liked them i just sort of liked well kel surprise like camp older men um that's the, the characters i like to play so um and then i realized that to stand up affords you space to do your own thing and to have your own voice a bit alfie's singing what's he singing alfie's It'll be something from a musical. You mentioned that you felt there was almost you were you felt by coming out there was a slight betrayal of where you came from. Well, I think because I grew up at a time when you know gay people weren't really talked about, like you didn't really it wasn't celebrated in the way it is more so now. Um, it was just very um, we didn't know any gay people. Um, there weren't gay people on the television and. Any stories you'd hear would be, or you'd hear, maybe you'd see on a film or something, would off, would usually be something sad. You know, they'd be like beaten up, or they'd die, or you know, they'd be thrown out by their family. They weren't stories of like, oh, and then they just fell in love and actually had quite a nice time. <laughs> you know, so I think that contributed to it. And I think, like, I think it, maybe it's different now, but I seem to remember feeling very solitary going out on the gay scene because I felt like no one else, I, I didn't. You know, I did have straight friends who would have come with me, but you know, there's only so many times you can ask them to sit in the stand in the corner of a gay bar with you while you fail to talk to anybody. <laughs> and uh, also, gay bars at this time had become very loud, so you couldn't talk to anyone. They were just sort of like clubs, really. So how you, you never meet someone in a club, but yet all the films would be like, oh, and I met someone in a club. So you'd be like, well, I don't know. I literally just didn't know how to meet people, mm. and uh, yeah, I had no idea. So so yeah, it's going out. I'd have to go often go out on my own in a way that was different to say my straight friends where they could sort of go out to the pub and meet people or sort of feel quite represented there so I'd often go out on my own um, and a lot of queer places are often quite they can feel a bit frightening at first they're not really but they can feel a bit frightening pubs and bars where everybody's kind of quite avuncular is, is quite an intimidating thing if you're if you're not feeling avuncular yourself you were living at home at the time, so did you yes. almost feel slightly guilty going home to your parents and thinking, oh, I've had this sort of double life thing? Or... Kind of, yeah, because I, there's no way I could have gone home and told them about it. And of course, living at home means you can't really bring... You can't, well, I never could bring anybody... Not that my parents ever prevented me from bringing anybody back, but, but I just would never even have the discussion. I would be too abashed. So I, I'd have to sort of, you know, text my mum, because my mum would always want to know, well, where are you? Are you OK? Which I suppose you can understand it now. You've got a child who is clearly very much making themselves a target for abuse in that I was kind of sticking out sometimes uh, as a character and um, and then sort of wandering around this huge world city of London. Um, and so my mum would be like, are you all right? Where are you? Where about, what time are you coming home? Just to sort of quell the anxiety that you must feel if your offspring is just wandering around. And then, of course, I was doing these things which they would have considered probably very dangerous and, 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 and not what they would advise at all, kind of going, you know, even to a, a gay bar on my own, they'd be like, why, why would you go there on your own? Can't you go with somebody? You know, but I would sort of be like, no, no, in my mind, no, no, I can do this. Trying to prove myself, I suppose. Did people often ask you, Tom, why are you still living at home? Because you only moved out when you were... What 38. Age? Well, I did spend a few years living away in um, Camden and then Brixton. Um, and then I came back when I was about 30. And what I realised was, I always felt like I was trying to prove that I was like this 
grown up living this London life, this big city life. And I was sort of doing it just to try and impress other people. And actually, I felt much more content when I was at home. And actually, as a stand-up, I started talking about sub- suburbia, which I think when I'd been a teenager, particularly when I'd been like involved with the National Youth Theatre, and I'd met all these kind of slightly... <laughs> seemingly like fabulous people and the idea of suburbia particularly in like the early noughties you know the sort of glory days of the Blair Brown glory days as I always call them um you know everybody was sort of quite snooty and quite sort of not snooty, but like it could be a little bit like oh, why would you be in suburbia why would you that's not very Johnny Depp and Kate Moss no it? exactly <laughs> like everyone's sort of aspiring to go to a private members club and have kind of you know very this was before social media as well, but, um, you know, always kind of living these exalted lives and living in Islington and stuff and being very cool, which, of course, like, I wasn't, and I sort of felt so ashamed and I tried to hide it. But then, actually, when I returned to it, I felt much happier, much more content and was being truer to myself, which made me a better stand-up because stand-up, you have to be true to yourself and you have to talk about what you actually feel and what you're actually where you're actually from. And people relate to you then because they go, oh, I'm that person as well. Um... And, and they might laugh as well because they've sort of been taught to bury their kind of more more um, suburban um, lives. And uh, But I, I realised actually more and more I, I liked it and like it and like the kind of um, parochialness of it, maybe, the, the kind of, or just the familialness of it. You're literally being near your f- friends and family is nice rather than I felt this obligation to be like this cool person living in town, going out, buying coffee. And then it was like, what a load of crap. In a way. Yeah. And actually, what's interesting is where this beautiful home that you've created for yourself now, and it feels it feels villagey and it feels kind of intimate. And I think often we mistake the being the sort of showrunner of your life. So having <laughs> this kind of overview of it and thinking, oh, imagine mm. me in that flat. Yes. I mean, how funny that we regard ourselves as the showrunners of our lives. That's so funny. And actually, so sometimes like... <laughs> then you stop being the lead because you're so busy controlling all the aspects of it. Yes. And actually, you've given over this idea of these, like, watchers um, as, though, as though anybody cares. <laughs> the truth. Just actually making yourself happy and having a simple life. Not, you know, not in a patronising way, but just having, you know, you don't have to be always on the go going to these, like, like having this like sex in the city existence, going to brunch, talking about boyfriends, and oh, it's so co- life is, love is so complicated, and just not just living this weird act, and <laughs> just like where you think you're Sarah Jessica Parker, or well, even Sarah Jessica Parker actually has quite a, I think quite quite a normal <laughs> life. She's not Harry Bradshaw smoking on the stoop all the time, writing those ridiculous articles. Um, yeah. Do you know I love that you're. Parents, I always think there is something lovely because when a parent gets to see their child, like in your case, you've been very successful. Was it lovely to see your dad seeing your success? Are you grateful for that in a way? Yes, I am now. I think at the time I was like, you know, he'd still be telling me to take the garden cushions in, you know, the garden furniture cushions, and he'd be like, take that in, and I'd be like, I don't want to take it in. It's weatherproof. I don't need to. None of the neighbours take theirs in. Don't be so ridiculous. Take it in. Take, put it in the shed. What difference does it make? Because if it rains, it'll be ruined. And I'm like, no, I don't need to do that. Um, but again, I think that was... He was very proud of me and he loved this house. And he was really... couldn't speak when I showed it to him, which was a lovely moment, really. Um, and he loved being here. And, he, yeah, he was sort of... Um, yeah, he loved it. But at times, I, I think I, I sort of struggled to accept that. 
Um, but maybe that's just part of it, you know, and that's the way it is now. And, you know, and actually getting to reflect on that is a good thing. Yeah. And I think it's, um, you obviously lost your dad very suddenly, and I know that's complicated, but you, your life was in a really good place, and is in a good place, and oh. your dad got to see that. Yes, absolutely, yeah, and there's lots to be grateful for in that regard, I think, yeah. Um, and then as well, like my friend Darren said to me at the time, you know, don't fret about not saying, oh, I loved you, because they know, you know, the people we, we care about know that we care about them. So, Tom, lovely Alfie is going to bring us our bacon sandwiches. Yes, I think I can smell them. Smell the you are, I mean, you're on tour. For the rest of my life. Really? I think you will be. <laughs> you work very hard, don't oh, you? Oh, well, um, that's nice of you to say. I like working, I like being busy, and I like... Because um, I, I, it, it took me 17 years I've been a stand-up, and I, I left school, I think, 21 years ago now. Um, and I didn't go to university, I just sort of leapt straight in trying to make a living in showbiz. But it, it took me sort of until... It's only the last sort of three, four years that I've been able to sort of really make a living doing it, and and um, I'm very proud of that. So I feel, and with the help of management and and people around me, um, yeah, I've, you I've talk. Got, I always love you talk to me a, a lot about your age and and how she kind of helped change your life and your career in a way, didn't she? Well, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Flo is amazing and believed in me in a way that. Uh, other people perhaps hadn't, um, or you know, taught me to believe in myself. And and Flo works so hard that you feel a wonderful sense of being in a team. And mm -hmm. so my sense is always, well, Flo works hard, and I want to work hard, and and, and we you know get to achieve fun things together. And and with the team as well that Flo works with, Lily and Katie and everyone, they're great. And 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 I think that's a lovely feeling of getting to do what you like doing. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to be touring especially after the pandemic when no one could go anywhere. So it's lovely to be out and about. Are you getting better at the people-pleasing stuff, Tom? Um, a little bit. Like, Dad would always say things like, shove it, about things. Um, and I think that's probably a good thing to... Because it gets up in our heads, doesn't it? What we, what are, we kind of start imagining what other people are thinking and trying to please them. And he's right, like, oh, shove it. You know, like, people... I'm not a very good driver, but... You know, you realise everybody's so everybody's so superior, aren't they? Everyone's so convinced they're so bloody perfect. And you realise, like, Dad would sometimes be in the car and be like, oh, fuck off, shouting at people. And I'd be like, oh, Dad, so undignified. Um, please. Um, but now I realise that actually that's not a bad way to be sometimes because some people are arseholes. Mm. And there's, a, there's another profound <laughs> message from Dad. Well, Tom, your book is absolutely... I sound like Barbara Streisand at the end of uh, the way we were. Your girl is lovely, Hubble. <laughs> your, book, <laughs> um, your book is wonderful, Hubble. Now, Tom, your book is just honestly brilliant. And I, and I really mm. mean that. I think you're an incredible writer. And I also want to say you are honestly one of the nicest men I've ever oh. met. Oh, thank you. And one off. Who are the others? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm just being silly. <laughs> We've loved. Well, I'm sorry we didn't get to do a proper walk with you because it started raining. Ray just winked at me. Ray just winked, going, like, "Don't worry, we didn't want to walk, did we?" 
But mm. we didn't get to walk. Well, we ended up back here. Alfie's gonna has made us some bacon sandwiches, oh, so yes, let's go and eat. Let's go eat. Can um, you tell me yeah. your views on Ray? Because you spent a bit of time with him now. This isn't your first time at the Ray Road. I you? have always wanted um, a gay son, <laughs> and um, it's so wonderful to, to to see what that's like with Ray. He's certainly flamboyant, and he knows who he is. And he's a bit like me in that he didn't like it that dog early was trying to play with him and he was like no thank you no and that would have been how i was so i do relate to him a lot he's a bit of a hyacinth bouquet anyway he is a little bit of a hyacinth bouquet you've got a you've got a hyacinth bouquet job tom we love you will you give tom a kiss ray oh ray ray what's the matter what's the matter no no, no. you dried off your head I really hope you enjoyed listening to that and do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes.